Once in a while, I um, I would go out, not frequently, but maybe like once a year, perhaps. I'll go out to catch a Broadway show. Um, this year, I actually had a pri the privilege of actually catching two Broadway shows. I don't usually do that. That's not um, usually uh, what I do, but I did get a chance to catch two Broadway shows. And one of the things that I realized that's consistent with the Broadway shows that I've been watching is that... Prior to all of the, prior to the show, prior to the storyline, prior to um, the, 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 the getting into the, into the story and the theme, usually in the beginning there, there's a person, either one person or two people, that come forward. Maybe they're in front of the curtain and usually they're talking about what you are to see, what you are about to see, right? And that's called the prologue, right? Basically what he does, what that person does, um, usually what they'll do is they'll just explain who the characters are, what the storyline is about, basically so that you can anticipate what to expect in the play, so that you can understand what the play is about. You follow? It's a prologue. I could be, I'm glad that Phil is not here so he won't correct me, um, but I, I, I think that's exactly what, the, what they're doing. Um, and <laughs> Similarly, I don't know if when you read John 1, verse 1, in the beginning, what you see prior to the, the first verse is you probably see, uh, it depends on what version you have, um, you probably see the words prologue. That's exactly what it is. Basically, what John is about to do in verses 1 through 18 is he's going to give some insight about who this character is that he's about to talk about. He's going to give it some insight about the purpose of why he's writing this book. 
the book of John. And so this is the book, John 1, 1 through 18. So just so you won't be so confused, like, what is this talking about? I don't understand what's going on here. This is the prologue. This is not, he's not going through a storyline. Prior to getting into the storyline, um, he's just going to do some explanation of who Jesus Christ is and, and, and his purpose in speaking about Jesus Christ. So John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was, in the be- he was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, nor of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as to the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, This was the one of whom I said, The one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace, from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, will you be merciful to even us? Will you, O Lord, help us to understand what you are saying through your word as you have spoken through your servant John? I pray that you will also speak to us and that your words might penetrate our hearts. I pray that you will open each of our hearts and soften each of our our hearts so that we would respond appropriately to your word. God, I pray that you will accompany this preaching with your spirit and that it will not only be man that is speaking, that you will do a work that no preacher can do. And that's open eyes and open hearts. For your glory in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. John begins his book with the words in the beginning in the beginning these words in the beginning it should be familiar to you you might recognize those words you might say wow I I feel like I've heard these words before and if that's that's the case then it is true you're right you have heard these words before these words were found in the opening verses of the Bible In the beginning, God created 
the heavens and the earth. John is purposely tracing us back, tracing, um, tracing um, this being called the Word back to before creation. He's bringing him, and he's saying, in the beginning was the Word. When you hear the word, the word, I'm just going to cheat real quick and I'm going to let you know in on the secret who the word is. In verse 14, it says that the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. The word is none other than Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ is the word. And when you hear, <coughs> when you hear word in the Old Testament, that was something that was very significant. The word of God, the word signifies who God is. He's signifying um, the will of God, the purpose of God. It is God's self-expression. And so Jesus Christ is the embodiment of God's will and purpose and being. He expresses and reveals God himself. And so this is the word. In the beginning was the word. Now, one of the things that I want to do in this passage, it's so, it's so hard for us to kind of organize um, this sermon. It's hard for us to be able to understand, okay, where is he going with this? What, 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 where are we? And, and how can I understand and approach this passage? And I've come up with a way which could possibly help us to ca categorize the sermon. Um, so the first thing you think, just imagine that it's up there. It's not here, but just imagine. So the first thing I want you to think about is Jesus Christ in relation to time. Number two, think of Jesus Christ in relation to God. Number three, think of Jesus Christ in relation to creation. And then number four, think of Jesus Christ in relation to humanity. Time, God, creation, humanity. First of all, think of Jesus in relation to time. The passage says, in the beginning. In the beginning. In other words, in the beginning was the word. In other words, when, when, when was Jesus Christ, when was his, when, when, when did, he ex, when did he, his existence begin? Who was Jesus Christ in relation to time? Jesus Christ existed in eternity before everything existed, before the birds, before the time, before people existed, before air existed, before energy existed, before light, before everything, Jesus Christ was there. Jesus Christ has always been in existence. The Bible says in the beginning, along with God, along with God the Father, in the beginning was the Word. It never said, if, if, you, if you understand um, the genealogy of, say, for instance, Matthew, right? Matthew does a wonderful job in tracing Jesus' lineage right back to Abraham. He wants you to understand that this Jesus Christ is the true Messiah. So he traces it all the way back, the ancestry line, back to Abraham. And he says, look, look, this is Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, the son of David. You remember when how God had promised that Abraham will that his seed will be blessed? Remember that? Look at the connection. But John says, nah, I'm going to do something different. I'm not going to go back to Abraham. I'm going to go further back. I'm going to go further back before, before Moses, before David, before Moses, before Abraham, before Adam and Eve. 
before all of that, in the beginning, the beginning of beginnings, before time even existed, Jesus Christ was there. Jesus Christ was there. Jesus Christ existed with the Father before creation. Let's think of Jesus Christ in relation to God. We thought of Jesus Christ in relation to time. Let's think of who Jesus Christ is in relation to God. Number one, Jesus Christ was with God. Number two, Jesus Christ was God or is God. Okay? Jesus Christ is with God and Jesus Christ is God. The first thing that we see in the passage is that Jesus Christ was with God. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was what? With God. Amen. In the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The first thing that we see in this passage is that Jesus Christ was with God. God was not lonely in eternity. The Bible says in John 17, 5, Jesus says this, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Father, glorify me the same way that we've experienced glory with one another before creation. Which means God's motive in creating the world was not because he was bored. God did not create the, this world because he was like, oh man, I need some glory. Nobody's glorifying me in this world. And you know what? Human beings are so awesome and I think they, they might do a good job in glorifying me. Listen to me. If we have the privilege of glorifying God, that is exactly what it is. It's a privilege to glorify God. It is not because God is somehow lacking in something. Stephen had um, mentioned last week how God is self-existent, meaning that God is dependent on no one for anything, including our praises. Yes, God takes glory in our praises, and I don't want us to take away from that. I know that we could... Some people could stare so far in the left with that argument. But yes, God does receive praise. And yes, God is, takes joy in our praises and us glorifying him. But I don't want you to somehow think that if you don't glorify God, that God is not going to get the glory. He will receive his glory. So yes, Jesus Christ was with God. Jesus Christ was with God. He enjoyed the glory with the Father before creation. And it even talks about, I believe in John 17, it talks about um, the love that Jesus Christ had with the Father even before creation. That's such an awesome thing. And then that's something that you, we should further explore in John 17 if we had more time. But the passage doesn't only say that Jesus Christ was with God. It doesn't only say that the word was with God, okay? It also says that the word was God. Huh. Wait a minute. Well, which one is it? Is the word with God or is the word God? Which one is it? Both. Amen. It sounds kind of confusing, right? If you're just approaching the Bible for the first time, you're like, Wait a minute, my Jehovah Witness friends, when I speak to them, they love to say, how can Jesus be God if he himself was with God? And then I try to highlight this passage, which they're not understanding. Yes, Jesus Christ was with God, meaning that Jesus Christ is distinct from the Father. 
meaning that the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Father, the Holy Spirit is not the Son, the Holy Spirit is not the Father. They are distinct persons, and yet one. Mind-boggling, right? And yet Jesus Christ, though he was with God, he himself is God. If there's any verse in the Bible that helps you to understand that Jesus Christ exists in the Trinity, I hope it's this one. Jesus Christ is with God, God the Father. He is with him as he is distinct from him. And yet Jesus Christ himself is God. You see, this is the big mystery of the Trinity. The fact is, is that God is one. But this goes beyond all of our understanding. I don't want you to come up with some kind of graph or some kind of chart that say, okay, I, I think I can understand this doctrine. This is something that goes beyond our understanding. That yet Jesus Christ is, exists in the Trinity as God exists as three persons and yet one God. Three distinct persons. So the word was with God. And the word, Jesus Christ, was God. And then he says it again. He says he was in the beginning with God. He was with God in the beginning. I don't know if you see it in verse 2. He already said this already, but he reiterates his points again. He says he was with God in the beginning. In case you didn't hear it, John wants to reiterate it again. He was in the beginning with God. Jesus Christ's existence did not begin with Mary's pregnancy. His existence extends before creation. And it stretches back to eternity. This is Jesus Christ. So we've talked about Jesus Christ in relation to time. We've talked about Jesus Christ in relationship to God. Let's think about Jesus Christ in relationship to creation. Verse 3. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing that was created that has not been created. Let's make sure my mic. Is my mic on or no? Okay. Um, all things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has not been created. Every single thing that you see in this world was created through Jesus Christ. God create. imagine this. I just want you to imagine God. He creates this world. How so? And when you, when you, when you read the book of Genesis, how does he do it? He says, let there be, and there was. In other words, he uses his word, Right? Jesus Christ says, let there be light, and there was light. God's word creates, right? God's words create. And what we're understanding is that the same way in which we're understanding that the agent of creation, it, it, it's, not, it's not one anymore? Okay, I think that. Oh, it's good. It's probably, okay, I'm sorry. I'm good? You did. All right. Um, God's word was the agent that brought forth creation. You follow? And in the same way, John is using that and, and almost symbolically to say, the word, Jesus Christ, 
Nothing was created outside of the word, Jesus Christ himself. The same way that nothing was created outside of God commanding it to be is the same way that nothing was created outside of Jesus Christ. There's nothing that we see in this world. There's nothing that we see in this world that was not created through Jesus Christ. Every tree that you pass on your way home was created through Jesus Christ. Every person that you see pass was created through Jesus Christ. Every cute animal, every vicious animal was created through Jesus Christ. There is not one thing that you see on this world that has not been stamped with Jesus Christ. Every single thing. And we're going to see some of the implications um, later on. But everything was made through him. In Colossians, again, we don't have time to, discuss, to, to show you all the passages, but in Colossians it says, all things were made through him. And it says that he, that, that, that in, in, the, in Colossians it talks about, says that um, all things were created for him and by him. If I'm getting it right, I hope so. You could double check me and you could rebuke me later if I'm wrong. Um, so this is Jesus Christ in relation to creation. We saw in relation to time, in relation to God, in relation to, to the world. And now let's see Jesus Christ in relation to human beings. It says in him, verse 4, in him was life. And that life was the light of who? Men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. And he's going to go on and all the way up to verse 14 or 18. He talks about a man that was sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about this light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into this world. I want you to see who Jesus Christ is in relation to human beings, in relation to human beings. And when we're going to discuss the I am series, when we're going to talk about the different I am's, you're going to see that a little bit more. You're going to see that unpacked a little bit more when he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. All of these things that we're going to unpack is Jesus Christ in relation to human beings. So let's, uh, let's explore some things um, just to set the groundwork prior to the um, talking about the I am, let's just see some things that Jesus Christ is even now. It says that in him was life. In him was life. In him was life. Since Adam and Eve, no human being could claim to have life. And not in the way that you and I sometimes think of life, but John means it in such a way where it talks of, it means spiritual life. Spiritual life. We are in desperate need of life, spiritual life. And not even only that, let's just think of the physical life. Who truly has life? Who truly can say that I have, I have life forever in this particular world? No one can say that. Life is almost like money, right? You have it today, tomorrow it's not there anymore, right? And so John understands that there is a quality of life that extends beyond the one that we understand 
now. Since in him was life, Jesus Christ is life, the spiritual life. Meaning that we're able to see spiritually, we're able to hear spiritually, we're able to respond spiritually. We have a healthy relationship with God. Guys, you were created to have a spiritual life. You were not only created to help your fellow human beings, you are created to have a relationship with God. And when you cut yourself off from this life, you're just a walking dead body. We're created for this life. John 5, 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 to 12. This one, this passage convinced me that this passage is talking about spiritual life. Uh, if you don't, you don't have to turn there, you can just hear it. Hear what first, hear it, hear, hear what he says. This is why it convinced me what this passage is about. Hear what he says. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. You see what John is saying here in his letter? He's saying, look, this is eternal life. Life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life, meaning eternal life, right? And whoever does not have the son does not have life. So in this passage, back to this passage, when he's saying in him was life, he's talking about spiritual life. The life that Jesus has is the light for human beings. Okay? The light that Jesus has is the light for human beings. In Jesus Christ is life. We are blind without Jesus Christ. We cannot see. We don't have direction. We don't know where to go. In Jesus is life. And the life is the light of men. Friends, when you think about this, just pondering at the fact that Jesus Christ is life, his life is the light of men. I do wonder how many people around us in our family and our neighbors and just our friends, when we look at them, do we remember the fact that without Jesus Christ they have no life? Do we remember that without Jesus Christ that they are walking truly in darkness? So often we just we believe in the lie of the world. We believe, okay, I'll just do it this way. This is the way I do things. I worship God my way. Maybe you might worship your God a different kind of way. Maybe you might, you know, you might have like a little different version of, of what it means to worship God. But no, no, no. There is only one way, one truth, and one life. There's only one. And friends, I would submit to you that if you are not preaching the gospel, you are living selfishly. In him was life, and life is the light of men. I just, I don't want that to happen. Like, I don't want to be on the before Christ on, on, on that day. I don't want to see friends that would say to me, why didn't you tell me something? Why didn't you at least just give me like a little bit of a warning? Why don't you, Jesus Christ is life, and his life is truly the light of men. There was a man sent from John, from, from, from God, whose name was John, verse 6. 
He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about this light. It's almost like this prologue is being interrupted by another person named John. Like, why is he bringing up John? John is going to be discussed in the, in, um, um, in the opening scene, as it were, in verse 19. John starts to talk to people about this guy, Jesus Christ. Now, this is a different John from the one that's writing this book, by the way. This is John the Baptist, who is actually testifying about Jesus Christ prior to Jesus Christ's ministry. Follow? And so, in the prologue, John wants you to know, hey, I'm going to introduce this person named John, but I want you to know that he is not the light. He is not the one. He's going to testify about this light, and man, may it be said about us as well. John was only as important as the one whom he was pointing to. You follow? John was only as important as the one whom he was pointing to. And so with us, we are only as significant as the one in whom we're pointing to. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into this world. Oh, blessed be God. The true light that that gives light to everyone was coming into this world. That's a blessed verse, a blessed verse. He, Jesus Christ, is the true light. He is not the false light. He is not false. He is the true light that brings light to everyone. And so we're still going to be talking about man, okay? We're not done yet. We talked about um, God's relationship with man, which it, dis- it extends until verse 18. Sorry. The verse 10, it says, He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own did, people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, nor of the will of man, nor of the flesh, but the will of, but, but of God. Um, it sounds almost like, John brings this up almost like, this is weird. This is not supposed to be. The world was created through Jesus Christ. Right? The world was created for Christ. And he came, and yet the world did not receive him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. So even that we're talking about human beings, um, I just wanted to kind of subcategorize it. Um, in relation to human beings, we want to talk about human beings in general, the Jewish people and believers, okay? So... He comes into this world, and the world does not recognize him. The world treats him as filthy garbage. And you see that it's true even today that most people in this world, you can talk to them about anything. You can talk to them about marriage. You can talk to them about money. You can talk to them about work. As soon as you start talking about Jesus Christ, they would really feel like a little awkward. Right? They don't want to hear about Jesus Christ. That is the one subject that we do not um, that we do not go to. Yeah, let, let's even talk about politics. A lot of people say politics and religion, but people are always talking about politics. But Jesus Christ, as soon as you start to bring up Jesus Christ, it's like the world, you see this kind of, of way in which the world has not received him. The world has rejected him by and large. But not only the world, he said he came to his own, meaning his Jewish people, his own race. 
he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. You're going to see in the Bible, Jesus Christ is going to bump heads with a lot of people, with a lot of Jewish people. He's going to bump heads with a lot of the scribes and the Pharisees. His own people did not receive him. But, let's think of believers, but to all who did receive him, that's verse 12, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, nor of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. If you can, this is something practical that I'm just thinking about as I'm preaching. I could do that sometimes. Um, memorize verses 12 and 13. That would be a good practical thing um, for us to do um, together. If you just memorize verses 12 and 13. I didn't put it in my application slide, but if you just remember it for, for your missional family so we can do that. That would be a, a very good um, very good um, couple of verses to memorize. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of the natural descent, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It says, all who received him. All who received him. He gave the right to become children of God. A lot of people say, oh, we are all children of God. That is not true. That is not true. We are not all children of God. We are not children of God by virtue of being born into this world. We are not children of God simply by being God's creation. You may be created in God's image, but not the child of God. He gave, he gives the right to become children of God. He grants that right. Christ is the one who gives us access to become children of God. You become a children of God. You are not born a child of God. And who are the recipients? Who are those who actually become children of God? It says, to all who received him, who believed in his name, which means that the means by which you can become a child of God is by receiving Jesus Christ, by believing in Jesus Christ. It never says anything about but for all who actually did good works. It never says anything about but to all who, 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 who are very religious. It never says anything about that. You could be very religious and still end up in hell. Did you know that? It is to all who received him, to all who believed in his name. Which means that the, 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 the field is, is level. It's for those who believe in his name. My friends, are you humble enough to receive him and to believe in Jesus' name? And just to finish off this passage, it says in verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt, literally tabernacled among us. We observed his glory, the glory as to the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, this was the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. And did we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness? For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's right side. He has revealed him. Okay. Um, literally, I, not 
no lie, I think it's possible to preach maybe a seven-part series just on the prologue alone. There's so much things that we cannot discuss and talk about at length. Um, perhaps in the Mishnah family, you should be able to discuss those things. Um, and perhaps if you have any questions, feel free to ask them in the context of the Mishnah family. But just real quick, just highlighting um, verses 14 to 18, it says the word becomes flesh um, and he, um, he dwelt amongst us. He tabernacled among us. We have seen his glory. Um, so much could be said about that, but just, just understanding that this is referencing the fact that Jesus Christ, having access to Jesus Christ, grants us 100% access to God the Father. Um, there were tabernacles um, set up in the Old Testament where those were the means by which people would go and worship God, but Jesus Christ was the embodiment of that tabernacle. He dwelt amongst us. He dwelt amongst us. And we have seen his glory. Now, it talks about something. It talks about truth and grace. That Jesus Christ was full of truth. Jesus Christ was also full of grace. Um, what does that mean? Um, Jesus Christ is actually the embodiment of perfect truth and grace. So many people, right, in this world. Either you find people who are too full of truth and not grace, gracious, or they're too full of grace and they're not truthful. Right? We've met these kinds of people, right? Um, maybe you're inclined to one area or, or the other. You might be thinking, oh yeah, I'm, I'm too truthful, but not, never gracious, right? Or maybe you might think, oh, I'm too gracious and I'm never telling the truth. Or, or, the Bible says that Jesus Christ himself was full of grace and full of truth. Which means that he would tell the truth to those that need to know it. All of us need to know the truth. But imagine this truth, right? In Matthew 7 verse 4, he'll say, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. How about Matthew 23, verse 27 to 28? He says, Woe to you, you scribes and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside you appear to be beautiful, but on the inside you are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. That's true. Speaking the truth. And he even spoke the truth. When he says to, to, to his people in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name, cast out demons and in your name, do many mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity, depart from me. Whoa. Ooh, that's true. But friends, do we need that truth? Should we go on in our lives living a lie, not understanding, hey, look, we're on our way to hell and we didn't even know that? We've been living like the world. We've been acting like the world. We've not really had a conscience that was, 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 was soft to, to God and the gospel. We just came to church and we played church. We just came to church and we just, we just flirted with church. But we didn't really take Jesus Christ serious. We didn't really, we didn't really believe in his name. Do we need that truth for Jesus to tell us, look, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I want you to take in Jesus' truth. Jesus Christ was full of truth. Take in that truth. You need that truth. We are a people. I'm not saying us as mosaic, a generation. I'm talking about you go from church to church. 
We love talking about grace. We love talking, we love singing about grace. We love singing about all of these things and how wonderful God forgives us. But when it gets down to telling people the truth, hey brother, I've noticed you've been sinning in this area. You don't like that so much. Truth. Jesus Christ was full of truth, and yet he was full of grace. You would think that someone who is God, you would think that someone who has authority over the world, he could just lay people down flat like that, like, hey, look, you sinner, get out of here. I don't want to speak to you. I don't want to speak to you. You're too dirty for me. You're too unclean for me. But Jesus Christ was also full of grace. See, the good news is not that Jesus Christ is full of truth. That condemns us. It talks about the law and Moses. It talks about that in, in, in here as well. It talks about Jesus Christ was not only full of truth, but he was also full of grace. Which means that, or like an example of that would be Matthew, who was a tax collector, experienced this grace. Or Zacchaeus, who was also a tax collector, experienced this grace. The Bible talks about an immoral, an immoral woman in Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 50, it talks about her wiping Jesus' feet with her hair and this one person was looking at it only if he knew. Only if he knew the kind of sinner that will, is watching her, her, watching his feet. He would never let her even touch him. And Jesus is like, oh, yeah? Okay. And he explains this parable and he says, look, who, who needs help? Who, who's the one that usually needs, needs help? Jesus Christ explains, he says, it is not the healthy that needs a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the unrighteous. Jesus did not come here in this world to call people who are already righteous. So, if you are here and you are righteous, if you are here and you are, are a goody two-shoe, if you're here and you are too good, and you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm okay, I'm an okay person. Jesus Christ did not come for you. But if you're here and you're humble and you're like, man, I've seen my sins. I've seen my dirt. I've seen how far I've fallen short from the glory of God. Then Jesus Christ says, I've come for you. I've come for you. So Jesus Christ was full of grace and full of truth. So we have this eternal God who existed in eternity, who exists in who exists as God, who was with God, who was God, who the world was created through by him, the world was created through him, the world was created, and not nothing that you see in this world that was created was, was created. And yet Jesus Christ came down to this earth, and he's had mercy on us. He could have stayed up there. He could have stayed in his glory, in his glorious state. But what we understand in this Bible, and what we're going to understand in this series, through the I Am series, is that Jesus Christ comes down. He comes down to us. He comes down to our level. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life. I am. This is the Jesus that we are encountering. 
This is the Jesus that we are going to be walking with. And I want you to take all these dimensions of these I am's and apply those dimensions in your life. As the good shepherd, he leads us. As the, as the resurrection, he gives us life. A few things that we're going to consider and I'll let you go. Number one, I want us to maintain a high view of God, a high view of Jesus Christ. When you study Jesus Christ, I want you to maintain a high view of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. Do not wear a shirt that says Jesus Christ is my homeboy. Okay? Do not wear a, a shirt that says Jesus Christ is my bud. Okay? I want you to maintain a high, exalted view of Jesus Christ as the God, as the one through whom the world was created. I know Sean is probably going to wear that shirt tomorrow for a mission of family just to mess with me. Um, um, maintain a high view of God. Guys, listen, listen to me. I want you to understand two aspects of your worship to Jesus Christ. I want you to worship Christ above all other things and through all other things, through, through everything. You follow? Worship Christ above all things. If there is anything in your life that's competing with Jesus Christ, let it be Jesus Christ first. Okay? Meaning that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ is God. He's God, meaning that he deserves worship above all other things. But all things were created through him, and by him nothing was created that was made. Which means everything that you see has a purpose. It has a step of Jesus Christ. You could even eat and drink to the glory of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? Colossians? You can take a simple cup of water and you can drink it to the glory of Jesus Christ. Which means that, yes, you can glorify and say, hey, look, I have to sacrifice this in order for me to worship God. Yes. But sometimes people stop there. Sometimes it's like, yes, we worship Jesus Christ at the expense of doing other things. But other times it's like doing things, the things, the very things that you are already doing and doing that with a purpose. Doing it with I'm doing it with, I'm doing it in Jesus Christ. Which means that you're not just saying, hey, look, I'm going to worship God and I'm just going to leave my wife alone. It's like, no, no, no. It's husband, love your wives, and you're doing it as Christ loved the church. You're doing things that you were already doing and you're doing it through the glory of Jesus Christ. So maintain a high view of Jesus Christ. Worship Jesus Christ above all other things and through all things. And I want you to welcome truth in your life. Welcome truth. What I mean by that, look, like Jesus Christ was full of grace and full of truth, right? We, we understand that. But sometimes I wonder, sometimes I wonder, are we people, are we a people that enjoy hearing truth? I submit to you, some of us, we're here in Mosaic, and some of us, we come to Mosaic, and we, maybe sometimes we have legitimate things that we're doing, and we're unable to make it. Sometimes we can't make it, and there are certain things that you're dealing with, and something that some things that you're going through with your family that you're like, man, this is, I get it. But then there are some times where some people, and I'm not saying that this is anybody in particular, I guarantee you I'm not thinking about anyone here. There are some people that they just want to come enough to Mosaic in order to hear grace, 
in order to sing gracious things, in order to receive God's forgiveness, but they don't come close enough to hear truth. Where they don't come in the context of the missional family for people to know them enough so that people can speak truth into their lives. They don't come and they don't come tell people about themselves. They don't expose themselves so that truth can come into their lives. They come just enough to get the grace and to hear the forgiveness and to hear all of the good things that Jesus Christ will do for you. But you don't want to hear Jesus Christ when he rebukes you. You see the body, the church is the extension of Jesus Christ. He is, we are his body. I'm not saying that everything we say and do is truthful. I'm not saying that there are some things that I could do and say that's not truthful. I could think that I'm saying what's right, but it could be wrong. But in overall, my friends, can we come closer to one another? Can, can we get closer to one another? Can we know a little bit more about each other so that we can continually speak truth in each other's lives? Again, I guarantee you, Nobody in particular, but just thinking about this. So he's full of truth and he's full of grace. Look, look, look. We're going to need to learn how to be also full of grace. We're going to need to learn how to be full of grace. It's so easy to speak truth sometimes. And maybe that's your, uh, your, you're not balanced. Maybe you're more truthful than gracious. But are you representing a Jesus Christ? that is also full of grace. If that person comes in our assembly, in our midst, if that person who seems you're not sure what this person, you know, maybe is this person transgendered? I don't understand. I'm not sure. Are you full of grace? Are you extending the grace of Jesus Christ? Just to be clear, we do deal with sin. Yes. I'm not denying that. We call sin for what it really is. And we tell people that they need to repent. They need to, they need to change. But, 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 maintaining and understanding that the same truth that I'm speaking, I know that Jesus Christ also can forgive and extend his grace towards people. Okay, you hear me? I'm not saying um, agree with sin. That's not, that is not, is not what I'm saying. So we need to be a people that is full of grace and full of truth. Again, guys, I could preach this sermon for the next week. Um, there's just so much to unpack in this passage, but time does not permit us. I pray that the Lord has spoken to your heart and that you would respond appropriately to his word. And that you will, if you have not been trusting in Jesus Christ, I pray and I beg you, go to this Jesus Christ. Yes, he's truthful. Yes, it hurts. Yes, it hurts to hear about your sins. Yes, it hurts to, to, for your mess to be discovered. But that same Jesus Christ that comes in truth, he also comes to you in grace. And I want you to not be afraid of this Jesus Christ. Yes, it will hurt. Yes, there might be things that you might have to give up. Yes, there might be things that you would, that's going to be revealed about yourself that you would not want to know otherwise. That same truthful Jesus Christ is the same gracious Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray.